You are listening to the podcast of Richland Hills Baptist Church. We are located in Richland Hills, Texas. Our desire here is to believe, live, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. As you're listening to our podcast today, if you have any questions, you can find us on the web at richlandhillsbc.com. God bless you. Well, good morning again. We're so glad that you are here on this very cold day. It is cold. One thing I do is I just think about being at camp this summer when it was 110 degrees. And so just think about that and that'll warm you up a little bit. This morning we're going to be continuing going through looking at the book of Hebrews. And so we'll be in the book of Hebrews for a while. But if you do have your Bible, I want you to open to Hebrews chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can. Uh, we have a pew Bible in the pew right in front of you. Also on your phone or device or whatever it may be. And we'll have some things. I want you to take some notes and maybe write some stuff down. If you don't have a Bible, I'll say this every week. If you don't have a Bible, let me know at the end of the service and we will make sure you have a Bible before you leave. Now one of the things that we talk about in this church and in Christian churches, is the idea that Jesus is divine. And so here's a, the big phrase, the divinity of Jesus. Jesus is God in the flesh. And, and that's a very important doctrine within the church. Jesus is God in the flesh. In fact, as, as a pastor, one of the things that I want you to know is to know that. To know that the divinity of Jesus is not just a doctrine that we hold that's important. It's essential. And more than that, I want you as, a, as your pastor, I want you to be able to show people, if someone were to say, well, I don't believe that Jesus is God, I want you to be able to show them from the Bible that Jesus is God. Now, could you do that? If I were to ask you after I leave, we leave today, I was to say, show me in the Bible that Jesus is God. Could you do that? Now, some of you might leave real quick now after the church service, since I said that. Now, could you do that? And I want you to really consider that. But there is something else that we must consider. If Jesus is God in the flesh, what does that mean about his humanity? So the other thing I want us to see is that Jesus is God, but he's also human. Fully God, fully human. To believe in his divinity does not take away from his humanity. Now what does it mean that Jesus is man? What does that mean? What does that look like? Why is that important to you and to me That Jesus is man. Why does that matter? Does it matter to your life? Does it matter to my life? In the book of Hebrews, we're going to see that the humanity of Jesus is important. It's not some throwaway doctrine. It's very important to what we believe. Jesus is fully God and fully man. So let's read. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. 
For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him, but we see him for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Father, may you bless your word, the reading, preaching of your word this morning for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. As we walk through this text together, it is, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, it can be confusing as you read these words and you try to understand. What is, what is the author of Hebrews saying to us? What do these words mean? What do these phrases mean? And so this is why it's important to, to take notes, to underline, to think about things. I want us to look at some of the specific phrases here. But as we get there, I want you to remember last week in Hebrews chapter 2, the very first part, verses 1 through 4, the writer is warning us not to neglect the gospel message. Saying, listen, don't neglect this. Don't treat it as ordinary. Don't, don't drift away from what you've heard. Saying, listen, if you know the message of Jesus, don't drift away. There's a lot of people in this world that have drifted away from the message of Jesus, haven't they? There's a lot of people who have begun as Christians, and they say they're Christians, but they've really drifted away from that message. And he's saying, listen, don't drift. Whatever you do, don't drift away. Don't do that. He said, listen, in the Old Testament, they heard this message from God, the, His commandments. But he said, how much more now have you heard this that was declared by God Himself? And that's the message of Jesus, the gospel. So that's the context there. But then he says, listen, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. Hebrews has been... a a lot about angels, hasn't it? We've learned more about angels in a few weeks in Hebrews than we think about. We've learned that, again, angels, that Jesus is superior to angels. That God, these angels, they are created beings. The angels are not, they're not God. Angels are created. The other thing we learned is that when someone dies that we love, they don't become angels. Angels are created. Humans don't become angels. Angels have a purpose. They are messengers. And just that way, they delivered God's command in the Old Testament. But then in 
This one he says, for it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. I want you to underline that phrase, subjected the world to come. What does that mean? To subject the world to come. It was not to angels that God subjected the world to come. That idea of something being subjected to, meaning that he's basically saying, listen, I didn't give dominion to the angels for the world to come. I have not given authority over the world to come to angels. Angels are not going to be in charge of the world to come. Now, what is that world to come? Look at that word. Look at that phrase. The world to come is the kingdom of God that Jesus, I believe, that Jesus inaugurated with his death, burial, and resurrection. And that one day, the kingdom of God, it's here partially, but then one day, guess what? The kingdom of God is going to be here completely. Meaning that there will be no more sin, there will be no more evil. The kingdom of God will be completely here. With the message of Jesus, it's come, but there's still a time where it will come more completely. He's saying, listen, this kingdom of God is not in the realm of angels. Angels aren't going to be in charge of the kingdom of God. But who is going to be in charge of this kingdom? So listen, it's not to angels that that God subjected the world to come, which we're speaking about. But it's been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything as subjection under his feet. Now I want you to flip over with me. Keep your spot there in Hebrews. But I want you to flip over to Psalm chapter 8. If you're writing notes, write down Psalm chapter 8. Because that quote there, And just as an aside, it's interesting when he says, it's been testified somewhere, and I don't think that's a case of him not remembering and knowing, but just that all of it is Scripture. Psalm chapter 8 is a beautiful psalm, one that I would encourage you to read and look at and study. But I want you to notice that the first verse of Psalm chapter 8 and the last verse will be the same. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. We see that. This is a psalm of praise. He's saying, listen, oh God, oh Lord, look how majestic your name is over all the earth. There's no one like you. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you've established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you've set in place. The psalmist is saying, God, look, I mean, God, I I look at the stars and I see all these stars twinkling in the sky and I see everything and then these things that you've made, the the mountains and the the seas and all these things. The psalmist is saying, I saw all this, 
And then I think, what is man that you care for him? What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You say, listen, God, when, when I think about everything that you've made, why in the world do you care about me? Why do you care about humans? I mean, think about, have you ever been somewhere, some grand landscape, and you realize how small you are? Have you been to a huge mountain, and you realize how teeny tiny we are in compared to the world and to the universe? And the psalmist is amazed. He says, God, why do you care for us? He said, yet you've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor, just as we read in Hebrews. You've given him dominion over the works of your hands. You've put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. He's saying, God, not only do you care for us, but you've given us dominion and control over all the earth. Little old me, little old you, he's saying, listen, you have made us people. You've given us dominion over all the world. He said, I, I can't understand that. I, I can't believe that. I, I just, it's, it's hard to imagine. So let's go back to Hebrews. Now, in that Psalm chapter 8 in Hebrews here, or using Psalm chapter 8, part of that goes back to Genesis. And this is where it gets, I want you to listen carefully. In Genesis, who was the first man? You can say it. Adam. So in Adam, in the first man, God, what did God say to Adam? That he was going to give him dominion and control, right? And so people, right away, they have dominion. That was part of God's plan. They're going to have dominion. But then, very quickly, sin entered into the world. And because of sin, because of Adam, Adam and Eve's sin, sin has changed everything. So their dominion now, their control of the world, people, think about people now, our dominion, the way that we rule and we reign and whatever we do, do we do it perfectly? You can answer that. No. Are we good rulers always of this world? Physically and with people? No. And so God has set people to be in control, but we have not done a good job. And then here, the author Hebrews, he's going to use Psalm chapter 8 to make a point about Jesus. Now, while Psalm chapter 8 is not necessarily messianic, meaning it doesn't, in its context, you wouldn't necessarily know that it points to Jesus. Hebrews chapter 8 is going to tell us it does. He's going to tell us that Jesus was made a little lower than the angels. He's going to speak about his humanity. I want you to look at the end of chapter of verse 8 of Hebrews 2. 
Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left, he left nothing outside of his control. Now I believe here we're going to see where it's going to, he's still talking about people to one degree, but now you're going to see it fully, it's going to be Jesus. He gave people control of all the earth, everything. But it's perfectly true when it says that Jesus, He is that Son of Man that you see in there in verse 6. Nothing has been left outside of His control. It's partially true with people, but it is fully true in Jesus. We've talked about that. Jesus is the creator of everything. He made everything. He is the author and creator of all things. And so there is nothing in heaven or earth, in your life or your neighbor's life, there's nothing that happens that is outside of the hand and mind of Jesus Christ. He is fully aware of everything that is happening. He's not surprised by the things that you and I walk through. When we walk through difficulty, He knows. He's with you. So there is nothing that is outside of His control. And this is going to be perfectly true in the days to come, or the ages to come. But then, someone will say, a skeptical person, Maybe you. You'll say, wait a second, Pastor. If everything is under the control of Jesus, then why is there still evil in this world? If you say that Jesus is in control, then, then how come somebody I love, how come they passed away suddenly? Pastor, if Jesus is really in control, then how come I just read on the news the other day or watched on the news some terrible thing happened? Are you sure that Jesus is really in control? And it's as if the author of Hebrews is anticipating that question. He says we do not yet see everything in subjection to Him. I mean, not, does everybody you know believe in Jesus? No. Does everybody you know, do they do the right thing and live morally? No. So is Jesus really in control? There's a phrase that sometimes you hear in theology... It's called the already, but not yet. There are certain things in the Bible that have started to happen, but they're not yet complete. And it's the same thing with the rule of Jesus. He has begun His kingdom, begun His rule, but at one day, in God's timing, when Jesus Christ returns, He's not going to return as a baby. He's not going to return as, a, as just somebody who's kind and nice. Jesus is going to return as the ruler and creator and maker, and He is going to reign. One day that's going to happen. 
And the, song, the Hebrew, author of Hebrews is telling us, yeah, it hasn't happened yet, but it's coming. It's going to come. He's saying, you, it, we don't see it now. You say, well, what do you see then? I mean, I see evil and I, I see all these terrible things that have happened. Well, what do we really see then, Pastor? Well, he says we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels. What does that mean? Remember in Psalm chapter 8, who was made a little lower than the angels? People. So he's saying, listen, what what we do see, we we don't see, we, we still see evil, but what we see is that Jesus who is God in the flesh, we see that for a little while he was made a little lower than the angels. Which is his way of saying, we see that Jesus, the God of the universe, became a man. He took on human flesh. He did that. And it said, namely, Jesus. As a note, that's the first time that the word Jesus appears in Hebrews. So far, he's referred to him more as the Son of God. He's saying, namely, Jesus. Do you remember what the name Jesus means? The Lord saves, or the Lord is salvation. So he says, what we do see is this Jesus, that he was made a little lower than the angels. He became a man. But what we see now is that he's crowned with glory in honor because of the suffering of death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Say, listen, what we see is we see Jesus became a man. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. He was buried. And he rose again. And right now, Jesus is ruling and reigning at the right hand of God. And He is reigning. But it is still a time where there is still free will on this earth. In God's providence, He's still allowing people to live and believe in Jesus. Jesus is reigning. Don't miss that. He's ruling. And for a time, people will still be be able to exercise their free will. But there's coming a day when there will be judgment. But in that meantime, Jesus is crowned with glory and honor. He's at the right hand of the Father right now. Philippians chapter 2 is the, the most beautiful passage that speaks of this. We read this quite a bit. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though is in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by coming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. So that in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. And it says, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The author Hebrews and Paul are saying the same thing. He says, listen, Jesus, He came. He, he was in the form of God, but He emptied Himself. He, he became a human. He left all the divine privileges that are... I mean, think about being in heaven. Jesus left all of the glory of heaven and He became one of us. And he did that. Why? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus came and lived and died. He took on human flesh for you and for me. He gave his life. The author Hebrews says it this, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. Jesus died for you. You and I, we are just like Adam. And here's what you got to see Jesus is going to be the perfect Adam. This is what's happening here. Adam was imperfect. Jesus is going to be the last Adam we see in, in the Bible. Adam, God had given him dominion and he messed up. Jesus is going to have dominion and will do it perfectly. Adam had the free will to, to do what he wanted to and he sinned. Jesus also was tempted. But did he fall to sin? No. Jesus is going to be the perfect Adam in every way. And he's given his life for us. So when we think about Jesus taking on humanity, that's important. It's important because Jesus is, can be the, he is the, the perfect man, if you will. Perfect. He is our representative. He's died. In order for the sacrifice to have worked, it had to be a human. It had to be a perfect human. Now, I want you to just as a note and just as a way to think about this, I'll ask you this question. Do you think that Jesus is still human now? And the answer is yes. Jesus did not lose his humanity when he entered back into heaven. Jesus has been and forever will still have humanity. It'll be a perfect, glorified body, but Jesus will still have his earthly appearance. It's not something he shed when he went back. No, Jesus has forever become the God man. 
And he did that for you. He did that for me. And so, as we continue in chapter 2 and the weeks to come, and we go through chapter 3, you're going to be reminded, listen, Jesus has done all of this for you and for me because He loves us. Do you love Him? Are you following Jesus? And you're going to hear that a lot through this series because that's what it, it points to. Because if, you're, if you say, oh yeah, I, I love Jesus, but you're not striving to know Him and not living for Him, then are your words real? Do you know people in life that say one thing but do the opposite? Of course you do. Do you want to be that type of person? Do you want to be the type of person who says one thing but does the other? Do you want to be a pretender? Do you want to be a fake? I don't think any of us do, do we? And it doesn't matter what you tell me. I mean, listen, it doesn't matter for eternity what you tell me, the pastor. None of that's going to matter. You can tell me all you want to. All that matters is what you can say to God. If you had to stand before God today, could you say that you truly believe in Jesus Christ? Have you trusted in Jesus who tasted death? Have you trusted in His death? Can you say it to me? That's fine, but could you say it to God? Because if your life and my life, if it ended today, where would you spend eternity? And I don't care what, how long you've been a member of a church or whatever. What would you say to God? Have you believed in Jesus who tasted death for everyone? Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that Perhaps your word this morning is a reminder of who Jesus Christ is. Lord, I pray that this morning we are reminded of the glory of Christ. That He is our Lord and that we would follow Him and serve Him and honor Him. He is our master, and I, and I just pray, God, that you would stir our hearts. And if, if there's someone here that's never put their faith in Christ, they've never believed, they've never trusted in Jesus. God, I pray that this morning that you would say to us, remind us, show us we need Jesus. And Lord, perhaps... This cold January 14th, 2024. That someone will say, yes, I need Jesus. Lord, may that be the case today. But Father, there may be others who are Christians. They've trusted in Christ. But maybe, Lord, we've drifted away a little bit. 
we've treated Jesus as ordinary and we haven't truly truly submitted our lives to Him. Maybe we've tried to do a little bit of what the world wants and a little bit of what Jesus wants. But Lord, may we commit our lives this morning. Lord, if there's someone here that's trusted Christ, but they're still struggling, Lord, may you bring clarity. And may we commit to Jesus. Lord, you lead us however you see fit. And may we respond to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.